Ladies and gentlemen, um, due to what we can only assume is a catastrophically unfortunate chain of events brought on by substandard decision-making on your part, you have landed here on episode 28 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. My guest this week is a returning favourite from those other social media platforms, Twitter and TikTok, and brings with her a uniquely accessible flavour of political rage and creative swearing. And... <laughs> After a short break in which we both could have fucking died, me battling the Johnson variant, she carbon monoxide poisoning, we are both back up in this motherfucker. And by we, I mean me and my guest, Super Tansky. And by this <laughs> motherfucker, I mean my shed. Tan, welcome back. <laughs> hello, hello. I'm still standing. You are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you feeling? Are you all recovered? Uh, well, my cognitive capacity is poor, but... Well, you are on the right show then. <laughs> I was going to say, no, it's, it's, it's recovering. I'm okay. I'm, you know, this kind of thing either kills you or it doesn't. So Yes, yeah. I felt the same about my, my dirty vid uh, episode. Your dirty vid? Vid. COVID. Oh! My dirty vid. What the fuck? What did you think of? I was like, what have you been doing? Yeah. On eBay. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, no, I felt the same. I felt like what, like... To begin with, when I started going downhill, I was like, okay, this could actually, this could get really bad. Like, you know, when you sort of yeah. start going through the motions in your brain, you're like, have I got life insurance? Should I Should I have got my affairs in order before this? And Well, you have significantly more responsibilities than me. I was just like, will I make it through the day? But <laughs> you've got things to worry about. Yeah. Well, like you start, you start sort of projecting for like a sort of final destination thing where you look at yes. you know what's coming in a week yes. and a month and all, like it wasn't helped by the fact that i've i've said on this podcast on a previous episode like you know it's all a bit fucked up at the like i could be fucking dead in like two months and i just know that someone had like clipped that you know and then put it on tick they'd be like look at this guy he said that you know it's i don't know it's just something icky about it that does go through your head like all the other time and i was thinking because there's so many times that i've joked that mi5 are gonna princess diana me yeah i'd love it if like afterwards if like five people that gave a shit would be like oh was she was she taken out by mi5 yeah because conspiracy is fact nowadays apparently isn't it well so. i did wonder earlier i was thinking you know she's getting kind of big on twitter now kind of big on tiktok <laughs> and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah this... it is a fear yeah it is it is a fear but then you wonder if you know you're just being immensely paranoid but you know i wouldn't put it past them no no but do you, do you think like whenever i i think stuff like that i think is this just my fucking ego coming you know is it just like absolutely it's like oh god they've taken me out at the height of my celebrity yeah yeah <laughs> i've got no celebrity or, or you, you sort of tell yourself you're like I mean, if they were going to take the huge risk of being outed as assassins, would they really do it to snuff out little old Aid Thompson in his shed or Super Tansky? I don't know if they would. No, see, yeah, right. I, mean, I don't think so. But I do, I do sometimes wonder if they watch these, if politicians watch the political TikToks. Do you think? I, well, I wonder, like, if they do. I don't know if they do. Um, I doubt it, but I'd, I'd, it'd be really funny if they did. I, Stroke scary. I think Chinese but... politicians watch TikToks, don't they? <laughs> it's like, I... isn't it state-owned? Or am I talking out my ass? I feel like it's state-owned. No idea. Yeah. I don't think it would be state-owned. No? No, it's a bit too... Well, it's not particularly free. It's just manned by robots, isn't it, TikTok? Is it? I know well, yeah, dick one about... Your... 
like what goes on behind the scenes. I just know if I put a thing and use these hashtags, then it seems to go all right. But well, there's, there's shit, if any, moderation. So I think that it's mostly AI picking up keywords, picking up, flagging up images. Yeah, they've said that like very few people actually work for TikTok. Yeah, it's algorithms. It's um, it's kind of AI style moderation. I think I might be talking absolute bollocks saying that, but I'm. I think that's. It, I don't know. it does explain why when you you upload a, a video that's about let's say for example it's me talking about like anti-vaxxers or, or whatever uh, as i have done this week and then the comment section turns into a fucking dumpster fire and i know that there's there's going to be one or two people in there who take offense to me let's say like lightheartedly you know jabbing them a, jabbing ha uh jabbing them a bit um but and and maybe then they report the video and the video gets automatically taken down. Like that sort of automation is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Anything about um, vaccinations or COVID yeah. has virtually the same response. Like they, I know there's people that work, there's like certain profiles that just follow loads and then they get other followers to kind of mass report people they don't like. Right. And I've had that before. Um, but as, as you say, the, the um, anti-vax stuff is particularly sinister. Um, but it's very similar to Brexit, you know, the standard. But some of the threats that I've had from asking people to get vaccinated or suggesting mm. people might, you know, should just get vaccinated has been off the charts the worst the worst i've had to date yeah it is like it, it, there's a definite overlap there with the sort of and whenever i highlight this people get very uh very upset that that you're drawing the parallel between them but there is a definite overlap with with anti-vax and being super staunchly pro-brexit i don't know what it is and i'm sure it's not oh it's a venn, yeah, venn diagram of country definitely <laughs> like it's, it's essentially people that are not necessarily very informed, but are desperate to be a part of something. That's what I think. Yeah. Stroke scared. Some people are scared. Fair enough. That's that's fine to an extent. Um, but it is a lot of ignorance, a lot of not understanding, therefore kind of making it a common enemy, mm. I think, perhaps. I, I read a tweet yesterday from a, I, her name escapes me now, but it was a, from a Guardian journalist, I think. Uh, and she posted these pictures of whatsapp conversations with her father and she was like can anybody give me some advice or guidance as to how i'm supposed to handle this situation with my dad but basically it was like he was just blinkered just tunnel visioned about the risks of covid and he had previously suffered some sort of health issue and so she was you know like hysterically worried that he was gonna Very worried, succumb yeah. to this and his attitude to it like she was posting him you know news articles saying fit and healthy 40 year old with no previous health issues dead from covid and she's like does this does this sound familiar you know does this remind you of anyone and um because the guy had sort of dismissed risk and dismissed warnings about it mm. uh, and his attitude was like nah sounds like a weakling you know like it's this this complete um abandonment of of common sense and personal risk uh because it I like my my gut feel is that people love the the ego strokey nature of being able to be a bit of a strong man, a bit of a hard man about it. Like you know, uh, well, I the mas yeah, the dark side of masculinity, isn't it? In some senses, like 
the like the guys who are kind of like, oh, you're not a real man unless you eat a really hot chili, you know, yeah, grow a full beard, you know, that kind of attitude. But but it's like it's, it's if if you had a full like if you ate a chili, that's <laughs> you're gonna sweat a lot and you're gonna beg for some sort of yogurt drink and yeah, shit milk, yourself. get your milk in you. Yeah. But it, like that's a bad night, but you'll get over it, right? <laughs> but for for something like COVID, like I would imagine that. And I did a TikTok about this yesterday about how your ego should kind of kick in and go like, well, hang on a second. I, you know, I love to talk it up. I love to be the big man and say, oh, you know, my immune system's fucking second to none. I can fight that shit off. I can, I can fight off a nasty cold, you know, that. Yeah. But then your ego should kick in and go like, well, now that I've said all that shit, if I do get it and I die, how many hundreds of thousands of people are going to laugh at me and like post my picture on Reddit forums and tweet about how much of an idiot exactly. I was. Like that's what kicks in with me. I'm like, I don't ever want to be the guy that people laugh at his stupid death, <laughs> you know? Well, the, yeah, people are thinking like that. I mean, the thing is, I, I'm, I've made a few videos and, and I, you know, I know it's not necessarily always helpful to call people co idiots, but sometimes when you've been making videos like this for a while and you're immersed in it, you get the the fear, yeah. the anger, the, you know, you, you get to a point where you're just so fed up with it that you might lash out and go, oh, they're all wankers. Um, that's, that's the problem. But I've, I've not felt anything but immense sadness reading the stories of people that have left behind kids and yeah. that, have, that have died from avoidable deaths like I'm not out to mock it I think anyone that mocks people like that who have died as a consequence is mm. is twatty but at the same time you know they, that should be enough of a warning call to people but it's like you know it's it's we're, we're living in a post-truth era aren't we i mean facts are not being absorbed you know gove started all that didn't he um mm. with the you know we don't believe experts thing to justify brexit um and all the facts that they called project fear etc um which is probably why i think there's a lot of brexity folks that are anti-vax i think it's a yeah and in correlation between those in, in that sense it does it takes quite strong character i think to not uh to not go low in those exchanges because like both you and i know from the comment sections on various videos that things can take an ugly turn very quickly and yeah. i find that i get an awful lot of abuse before before the conversation even really gets going like it would be easier mm. to empathize and to to have sympathy and to not be twatty about people mm. who end up on reddit forums if they weren't so fucking like 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 to, like deliriously deliciously happy about about their side of the argument before like it's like if i put up yeah. a, a video about like you know i really think it's important that as many people get jabbed as possible to provide some sort of protection on, on a societal level blah 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 it within seconds i will get comments from people saying like Are you fucking sheep ah yeah, you're gonna get side effects in two years, and your kids will be fatherless. Like, like, like shitty comments like that. And then I'm supposed to be the bigger person. After exactly. That. And you know, I'd like to borrow their fucking crystal ball that tells us all this stuff because it's just like, well, if you're saying that this is gonna definitely happen in two years' time, yeah. How do you not know that in two years' time we're not gonna have vaccinated people and we're gonna have it reduced to something that's no more than like some kind of like flu like yearly booster thing like how right what what because there's no there's no factual basis it's just like people go oh what about labor it's just what about ism it's mm. it's 
that's a pandemic idiocy is a pandemic at yeah. the moment um, it's like that guy's tweet or maybe the tweet was a quote of something i don't know like where they said we're battling two pandemics like one of covid and one of stupidity right yeah yeah what's your what's your gut feel for how fucked we are now with covid well this is the thing like i don't like to have any form of conclusive opinion on it because i am not an epidemiologist or a virologist sure. or a, you know so i try to kind of be led by the people that you know have dedicated their lives to saving people to research yeah um but I, I don't know. I mean, we're still at a point where it could go either way. What is it, 18 months in? It's just... Yeah. It, long long COVID has taken on a whole different meaning, isn't it? It's like, it's yeah. <laughs> it's long COVID the illness and long COVID the shit film that just won't end. But um, <laughs> it's just not, it's just not seizing. Um, I, it depends really on whether or not we get any new variants because there's always been the risk, isn't there, of mm. a variant coming out that will um, trump the vaccines yeah so that that's a concern um that seems to be but... the sort of sticking concern across like all of the last well since they announced that the vaccines were 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 approved and ready to go out and then it was a case of like yeah well i mean these could be dished out and distributed up and down the land but what happens if a variant comes out that evades vaccines within you know four weeks six weeks then how many like how long could you keep that billion dollar initiative of putting jabs in arms into sit how, what are we now 65 million people in the uk how long do you think we could keep that yeah. going for well if... they'd have to like tweak it because a lot of people are like oh it came out so quick not realizing that people that sars has been around for fucking ages anyway like mm. it's been it's been around for ages so they were literally tweaking it and they're like oh how did it happen so quickly because the whole world were working on this thing at the same time that's why yeah um, but I, I don't know if it's going to end up in another relentless cycle, but I know definitely that the thing that doesn't aid it is um, just letting everyone run loose mm. uh, because Johnson, as is tradition, is just gambling with us mm. um, as he gambled with Brexit, as he, you know, he's just gambling with our lives at this point. Looks like it's paying off mm. what he's done. Um, but I will be livid if he comes out smelling of roses when he has essentially played high stakes poker with billions, like millions of people's lives. Like that would be. Yeah, it would be the right enraging. result for the wrong reason kind of territory, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I had a theory that the reason why he went down the letter rip route was because they had, they knew that they had at that stage a shortage of Pfizer uh, and they couldn't give AstraZeneca to under 40s any longer. No. Uh, so the only real way, the only pathway that they had to achieving something close to herd immunity was to just open everything up and then uh, let all the kids go clubbing for three months and get infected and build up immunity that way. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And I've yet to read anything that tells me that that's that I wasn't bang on the money. Like, I'm not trying to sound like some sort of, you know, crystal ball guy no, myself, but that to me, that makes a lot of sense um and it doesn't even seem like a complicated answer or reason for it so i'm surprised that it's it hasn't become the sort of media or tabloid narrative but well it's trans all, all the things they're doing are transparent but they're not becoming a media or tabloid narrative because mm. the, the government does don't want it to be it's as simple as that i mean they're they're essentially running that mm. um 
you know, and if they, you know, now it's it's getting to the point where if they put out anything that the government don't necessarily want them to, that the government are trying to change the um, the Official Secrets Act to get them jailed. So yeah, it's. I mean, we're sort our of... press freedom's always been shit. Without that, I mean, we didn't. They didn't even need to do that, really. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the the mystery of it, isn't it? Is it's like we have the most compliant media. I think in the world. Uh, I mean, I'm sure somebody in the comment section will uh, correct me on that. And you know, there's some far from <coughs> North Korea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. But uh, it feels like China. we. <laughs> Thanks. Uh... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stitching you up. Mate. Immediately pissing on my chips. Yeah. Thanks for that. Sorry. Uh, I can be held to account. It's fine. Um, uh, but it does feel like we've got very compliant media and. Uh, there's there's a definite case to be made that like well why like why do you need to threaten people with fourteen year year prison sentences when in case they embarrass you when you know just look around man like it doesn't feel like you're under any immediate threat of being held to account or being embarrassed. Um, well, it's uh, to crack down on whistleblowers, isn't it? Essentially, like the the kind of people that unleashed what happened with uh, old Hansock. Hans oh, I could right. call it Wanksock. Yeah. Uh, Hancock. Um, it's it's that kind of thing. I think it's trying to avoid that level of leakage. It's so weird and shady, though, isn't it? Like, if you think think back to that that whole that that week or two weeks of. Scaring. I try not to think about the vision of it because it's so. We've all tried to block it out of our minds, haven't we? But. From, yeah. a, from a political scandal and media perspective, uh, it just doesn't quite add up to me. Like the the idea that we are now rewriting a law to punish whistleblowers slash journalists for embarrassing the government because they were so incensed about the Hancock revelations. Uh, when the Hancock revelations were published by the political editor of The Sun and the political editor of The Sun is like Bessie Buds with Boris's wife. So yeah. to me, it makes more sense that Boris and his wife needed to get rid of Hancock to reopen everything to achieve that goal. Um, they effectively greenlit this scandal. So there's yeah, something else there. There's something, some other thing that they're worried about or or something that, I don't know, like it, it, it feels like they're trying to fix a different problem. And actually, we're all looking at the dead cat, which is Hancock getting his end away. Um, yeah. And there's something else on the periphery, is how it feels to me, you know? No, I agree. So I, I definitely think it was a setup because obviously um, Johnson's wife likes Javid. Mm. And Javid took an immediately um, more kind of firm, hard line than Hancock mm. with the restrictions. It's funny how that happens. So maybe they're using the um, suggestion that someone else set up Hancock as a way to push through more punitive measures for journalists. Yeah. It could be a massive kind of plan in that sense. Yeah. So they like basically they set up Hancock, made it look like it was an out, it was an outsider and then because they obviously want more control over the media because it's the the kind of trumpian playbook bullshit, isn't it? Yeah. That they then say well to stop people doing this again, we're going to have to do this. Um so it's kind of like justifying their future kind of quite, quite authoritarian measures perhaps yeah it's a theory i don't know i don't know no maybe but i don't i don't think that doesn't add up 
No, no, that makes sense. You and seem I... uncertain. You're like, hmm. no, no. I was just thinking, like, I'd, I'd completely forgotten that uh, Harry was like not BFFs, but like good friends with Sajid. I'm, mm. I'm calling them all like by their first name, as though I fucking know them. <laughs> I don't. Um, yeah, well, I try to avoid calling Johnson Boris. Uh, I, I, I'll call him anything but Boris. Yeah, I've noticed that sometimes quite creatively. Well, yeah, but I've stopped calling him Fred West because, as I say, Fred West was good at his job. He killed fewer people. Yeah. And we know how many kids he had. So um, there's no point mm. <laughs> There's no point calling him West anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it seems to be this whole weird thing. And then old mad Dominic Cummings, yeah. who has gone... Like, I was excited about that. I was thinking, Dominic Cummings... He's he's turned he's turned over a new leaf. He's going to bring down the government. Yeah, and now he's just descended into what I would refer or have referred to as him just like essentially just wanking in front of a mirror now, talking about free Britney, um, pissing off all the um, you know the remainers, continuing to gloat about it. Yeah, whilst all the time saying he doesn't know if it's a good idea. Like I thought that was going to be a thing, but he talks a lot about how Carrie, um, John, you know Carrie Johnson is behind the scenes pulling a lot of strings has a lot of influence essentially over what's happening yeah he paints a picture doesn't he of a a a sort of reactive prime minister who goes in and checks the newspapers um forms policy or forms his slogans for that day based around what he's read in the newspapers that morning um yeah which is like i always think that's probably the most concerning element of his lack of leadership if you like is is the fact that he's then reacting to a columnist's take on things. And a columnist is someone who sits in Fleet Street or works from home um, and, and you know, <laughs> writes out 500 or 1,000 words based on something, but they don't have access to the information that the prime minister does. It's the prime minister's job to accumulate data, to take advice from this cabinet secretary of this industry or that one over there, and then to get together and then they all make a decision, blah, blah, blah. It's it's a, a yeah. total vacuum of leadership to walk into your office <laughs> in number 10, read a columnist's take on things, and then to go, oh, shit, like Alison Pearson says that I fucked up with this. Well, that's today's job, guys. Let's go, you know? I know, it's so backwards. Isn't yeah. it? It's like the opposite of what should happen because they're using the opinion of someone that's not immersed in government mm. to, to run government. It's just like, what the fuck? But he also runs very solidly on opinion polls because he's obsessed with being popular. So, like, look at the, the foreign aid debacle. Mm. I mean, signing the death warrant to millions of people just because the polls look like, mm. you know. And, and also, I think a lot of the people, because he's he's encouraged so much xenophobia and racism in this country... Mm. The people will just look at foreign in foreign aid and go, oh, no, don't want, don't want anything foreign. Like, he's, he's, he's essentially acting on pure ego, yeah. just wanting to remain popular because that's what his entire thing is. It's all it's branding. He's, he's built a brand yeah. of, uh, you know, someone that's likable, someone that's like, oh, bit of a buffoon. And yeah, so that's why popularity is, is pushing him. But my concern is what happens when he goes. Mm. Um, either they'll crumble because he was the person that won over people against their better um, instincts, or it will just be some kind of terrifying Patel, mm. Rab, hellscape. I, I, I sort of sit in two camps with this in, in the sense that we are very fortunate that in Britain... At the moment, touch wood, the Conservative Party 
I don't think is totally self-identifying in the same way to the same extent that the Republican Party are in the US. I think the Republican, uh, if you ever, if you follow Chris, is it Chris Cuomo, the guy, the CNN guy, uh, and he he calls the Republicans the Retrumplicans, I think, um, because it's it, it has essentially become the party of the Trump family. Uh, and if you speak out against the Trumps, then you are ostracized from various committees and various decision making, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't think we've quite got to that extent yet with the Tories, although obviously Boris Johnson is a huge personality. Yeah. And yet. Um, but I think if you step down and somebody like Patel or Gove or um, or Javid went for the, the PM role, I don't know if they would get the same support out of the sun and... The Express, I think there would be, it, it, I hope, I pray that it would be the beginning of the end of this era of of Tory leadership. I could be wrong. I don't have a crystal ball. Is, I don't think, likeable to any human or animal. Um, is inherently weird. Um, mm -hmm. The thing is with people like Patel and, and Rob, they are to some extent um physically attractive to some extent and people tend to automatically there's like been studies about i think we've spoken about this before where people trust good looking people sure and i wouldn't say they're like overwhelmingly good i mean rob looks a bit like a budget bond villain um <laughs> so yeah. you know except without a cat because you know not even animals probably trust him but yeah he's got that vibe about him um he's got an nda about like, him is what he's got a what an nda yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he's he's definitely um I don't know, he's maybe he's more henchman territory. Well that's what he is at the moment, but Yeah. Uh, that's my fear, is that someone like that will will get in, but I I don't know. They're not gonna have the Boris allure mm. um unless what unless they go out and, you know, um assault some kids on a football field whilst playing rugby or, or get stuck on a zip wire you know and do the whole oh, so funny yeah well the, the thing you, you're you're not factoring in with the so i i agree it, it doesn't surprise me at all that people do trust people who are uh traditionally speaking good looking right so somebody like patel or rab uh i agree probably quite easy on the eye but you can be good looking and not likable and I think both of those two suffer from they, they sit in that that little corner of good looking people where it's like, wow, she's really hot, but she looks like a real bitch, you know, or like, oh, wow. Yeah, he looks he looks like a good looking. He could be a model, but he looks like such a cunt. Do you know what I mean? Like, like they are those people that you knew at uni or you knew like on in pubs and bars and stuff. You just get a feeling about I don't think they're very likable and I don't think they would be successful as can like imagine like rob's got this nda that nobody fucking knows what what it's covering up what it's wrapping up um patel's been not convicted but you know found guilty of bullying both of them are completely unsuitable say again by johnson because he did the whole kind of bury it don't let anyone see it thing didn't he yeah. which he does with virtually everything he considered the matter closed <sighs> like he considered um the hancock matter closed mm. and then tried to gaslight everyone into saying he sacked him and it was just like yeah Bellin. sweet mother of god like when will this end like the problem is though like most people um are too busy 
um, worrying about surviving a pandemic, mm. putting food on their table, being overworked, underpaid. They don't necessarily immerse themselves in politics like day to day. Mm. Most people don't. So they tend to go on. I think that's another thing that's contributed to the rise of populism mm. is the fact that people are just not engaged with politics. They're too busy just trying to survive after 11 years of crushing Tory bullshit, really. Um, so I do have I have sympathy. I don't think anyone that's not politically engaged are, um, you know, idiots. No. Or anything like that. I just think that people are just trying to get on the best they can um, I, under all this nonsense. I think you're right. And, I think... I've said this on a, a couple of episodes before, but it's like m most people do not obsess over this sort of stuff. However active Twitter gets and however active mm. the comment sections get, uh, most people just want to go into work, uh, clear their emails, come home, make sure their kids have had a bath and a bedtime story, mm. and then they want to you know, catch up with their cousin or their aunts and stuff. And um, Watch a bit of telly. Yeah, and they haven't got time to digest paragraph upon paragraph of the nuances and complexities of things like covid and or brexit and so for them yeah. the simple three-word sloganeering that's become trademark of the tory party and you know stem newspapers over the last few years um is is all they need they just want a quick bite-sized chunk of what's going on and who to blame yeah and this period of politics and media serves that up to them perfectly um, I don't know how you... It always has, hasn't it? That's the thing. It always has, except before there there was kind of um, equal... Mm. Um, there was there was more kind of... It was... it was Well, everyone got the piss taken out of them before. Um, there's always been teams that are very pro-right, very pro-left, mm. but a lot of them have changed sides now. And I think we've only got, what is it, the mirror... And ironically, the star, mm. um, which I read sometimes uh, just for the comedy, the pure comedy. Right. Some of the headlines are genius. Um, it's a bit like um, a tabloid viz. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it the star? No, the sport. Is it the sport, the sport or the star? One of them. The sport... They're pretty much similar. They're both kind of full of knockers, aren't they, really? Yeah. Like the sport's um, the one that my friends post in the chat group every now and then, and it will say, like, like fucking ridiculous, obvious bullshit. Like I put a thousand Pringles up my bum and my bell end explode. Like stuff like that. <laughs> it's like fucking out. Can you? And I bet it's an Oxbridge graduate <laughs> that wrote it. Like wanted to be a journalist, did English lit, politics. Hard, yeah. yeah, ended up working at the Star, writing about <laughs> fucking nonsense. Like what a life. <laughs> Were they the sex? I did a video about uh, the sex ass tycoon who got stuck at Calais with all his sex asses. <laughs> I'm certain that that was the star or the the sport. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. But they're the people that are actually calling Johnson a, a clown. You know, yeah. like uh, no, yeah, they're the people that are kind of ripping him a new one. And then you've got the Mirror, everything else. Or you've got the Guardian who are pretty balanced. They don't go as far as to call him a C unit, but they will they will kind of use quite you know, dis disparaging language about him. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, do you it's, feel they're not do, do, oh, sorry to interrupt. I was just gonna ask, do, do you feel like there is um a a notable absence of 
like repercussions and shame like has that shifted in the last like even 10 years because it feels like to me that if there were a government 10 years ago that was this obviously corrupt and had had scandal after scandal i mean you can pick any fucking week of the last year and there's been some sort of sackable or like every day yeah like i've struggled to know what to make a video about because it's like oh i've got a bloody list it's like spinning plates it's, yeah pick a mix right like walk in the sweet shop what oh which one shall i <laughs> how could i possibly choose um exactly. and it feels like something's changed to is that your take as well you feel like like why like what how is it this corrupt at this moment and nothing seems to happen um there's i think there's a cultural malaise i think the fact that they're doing this during one of the worst national crises crises that we've ever had mm. um like they're robbing us blind under the cover of you know death tolls they're using death tolls to hide it mm. i mean that is the worst like most amoral thing that i can imagine is um stealing our taxpayers money whilst we are dying mm. i mean that you know, they're just no better. Yeah, and using bloody burner phones to hide it, right. like some bloody county lines drug dealer. Um, like they're like roadmen. Yeah. Except like in in bloody posh suits with massive salaries, but yet they're they're not broke. Um, so they 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 get away with it. There's no accountability. Um, but I, I think it's the fact that then I don't think the public are seeing the half of it. Um, and they're not seeking it out because, as we say, they've got other things going on. Mm. You know, they're either too busy during the last year and a half burying their loved ones, mm. grieving, um, trying to worry about whether or not they're going to keep their job, their businesses failing mm. because Johnson locked down too late, uh, didn't close the borders, so it ran rampant. Um, you know, he could have stopped this much earlier than he did. Mm. Uh, so I think people are just not getting the information mm. and they're probably a bit too distracted by other things the things they're told to focus on to necessarily seek it out um unless it appears in a meme format or something really accessible on social media and a lot of that just tends to be misinformation about covid or the government yeah. so or, or um, hidden behind an algorithm or yeah or hidden behind it out. I mean, look at the, the election campaign. I mean, that was a campaign in 2019, one on pure misinformation, much like Brexit, to a criminal level. Like 88% of Tory ads were dishonest compared to none of Labour's. Mm. It was a totally unfair fight. And uh, there was some, someone was talking on the news today about the things that tip the balance against them tend to be things that are unfair like Johnson not isolating, mm. like um, or rule breaking. It's a bit like queue jumping. They tend to be the things that I think get people pissed off. Yeah. Um, so if we could have a little bit more of that, it might well, chip away a bit more. Yeah, I mean, this is the the the, the take I I have on uh, the current cabinet or the current sort of flock of of uh, MPs uh, is it, it seemed to me as though there was a a, a purge um of credible experienced proven politicians uh in the tory party um well, yeah, there was. yeah right so they they uh they ostracized and outed and deselected um uh, uh as i say like proven 
politicians who who could have applied a bit of intelligence, logic, and experience around complex situations like Brexit and and COVID. Yeah. Now, in the absence of those figures, what you have is a cabinet full of yes men and careerists. Um, and now where we're at is we're, we're in a situation where we've got Brexit coming in from this side and COVID coming in from this side, incredibly complex problems that need calm, cool heads who look at things logically uh, and, and on a long-term kind of level, not short-termist yeah. panic, like reactive politicking. Or how can we look better being the main priority? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... So on like the 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 downside to that is that you have these sort of chaotic decision makings and like U turns and um but the upside to that from a, a left leaning perspective is that they will sequentially consistently fuck up because they're so yeah. shit like they've just but yeah all of these ministers have been hired on the basis that either they know somebody like carrie johnson or that they said yes they they love brexit even the ministers who previously campaigned against brexit suddenly then said oh, actually what i meant to say was i love brexit and i love you boris please can i have a job um so yeah please can i have all the lovely uh yeah you know, expenses so yeah. when you get a a cabinet full of uh, ferociously low caliber ministers like this <laughs> they can't help but fuck up it's, it's in their nature. They are overpromoted Peter Principal cunts, and so uh, on the back of that, it's. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good time in a fucked up way for the left of British politics, um, because there will be these these mess messy like um you know like where they're they're completely detached from normal people and people yeah. like Johnson and uh, Rishi. His, his surname escaped me. Rishi Sunak. Sorry. Um, I was so conscious. Like, I was thinking, what's his surname? I don't want to just use a first name again now. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, people like Johnson and Sunak, um, it, it would not even occur to them that they have to stick to the rules because they're so used to not having to stick to fucking rules. So off the back of that, then, you know, there will be more of, of that sort of situation and, and it will irk people because yeah. it's like that whole thing about one rule for them, another for everyone else is a great line to go to market with Brilliant. for Labour because it lands and Brilliant. it fucks people off like you like you just said. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. And I hope, I think it's beginning to cut through. And um, I, I really hope it is. But then I do bash my head against a brick wall mm. for many reasons. Um, <laughs> but mo but I, get, I get so infuriated with some factions of the left um, because I don't think, I mean, it's like they're too busy squabbling over mm. little little things, um, not realizing like, oh well, this is th what they did to Corbyn was terrible. Yeah, I fucking agree. What they did to Corbyn was terrible, but it's what every single party does, and it's the way that mm. <laughs> they're always gonna they're always ousting people for a better, you know, because they want to promote this or that, or they want a different style to come across. It's a tale as old as time. It's always been done. Mm. But yet this um, obsession with the moral aspect of it is only something that seems to infiltrate Labour. Mm. The Tories will do it without a second thought. Their voters won't give a shit about it. They'll get voted in. Mm. And whilst, you know, Corbyn was stitched up, but also he also stitched himself up by being a bit of an arrogant shit at times. Um, he's a good man, admittedly, but it's going to hold us back focusing on the past like this. It's, it's going to just, as I've said before, bend over and wave in 
successive Tory governments, the past is irrelevant. Starmer's mm. not my, I, I don't love the man. Like, he's not my first choice for anything, but he's not a bad leader. And um, he's not, a, well, he's not a bad guy. He's a, you know, he's a, when you've got a QC against a guy that's killed <laughs> 150,000 people yeah. and they're going, oh, I don't know if I could trust him, you know you know that the Tories have systematically undermined facts yeah. uh, to, to, to an alarming point. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I sort of feel like I have some sympathy with people, uh, more so now than I did when Starmer first uh, uh, took the leader of opposition role. Um, yeah. Because they, it, like immediately, straight out the gate, there were people like Corbyn Easter's um, giving him a hard time and talking him down and... And, and it enrages people like you and I, because I'm like, I voted for Corbyn. Um, I, I supported Labour on the basis that they were the largest party and that they were the most likely to oust the Tories. Um, and I, I always look at it from a sort of pragmatic, practical perspective where I'm like, get, exactly. get the left of centre party in and then form lobbying groups within it, a bit like the Tories do with, with the ERG. Um, uh, and then, you know, make your case and... Yeah. all work together in this one broad church right yeah um this idea that that you can that, that labor should be this sort of um this church of corbynism and that is like only only that puritanical uh take on labor can can possibly be accepted and therefore now this you know guy in a nice suit has taken the leader of opposition role. Well, I don't know if I can vote for him. No, like it, it just seems so self-defeating and short-termist. Um, it, you know, there's there's stuff about Starmer that that I I accept that people have an issue with, and it does seem as though when there are certain individuals within the Labour Party who get into a spot of bother, he's incredibly sluggish to support them. Right? Absolutely, I get that. But that doesn't mean like why are we focusing on Starmer the person? Can we just talk? Can we just focus like regroup, focus on the common goal, and then have a word with Starmer at some point in the future? You know, absolutely. And it over it over it overrides the brilliant things that Labour MPs are doing. And there's some brilliant Labour MPs. Look at Dawn Butler. Look at Zara mm. Sultana. I mean, what Dawn Butler did was brilliant, and then it was overshadowed. By people that are supposed to be on that team, instead of instead of bigging up the achievement, they're going, "Oh, well, why hasn't Starmer come out?" It's like what Starmer's doing about this is irrelevant. Mm. He hasn't condemned her. He actually came out and said he supported what she did, um, but he can't be seen as the leader of the opposition who is consistently hounded for I don't know, you know, anything they can throw at him. Mm. Why Why focus on him and his reaction to what she did? Her achievement, they're all on the same team. Yeah, It's not Starmer versus his cabinet. They're all doing the same thing. And how do you know that he didn't agree to that anyway? Like, but he can't be, you know, he, the, 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 there isn't like a plan. So I think there's definitely something between Starmer and Blackford. Mm. I mean, I'm not talking like um, emotionally. I'm talking You're like... not talking Gove and his spad. <laughs> You're not talking Gove and his spad. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but... <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Um, Maybe I'll bleep that I... out on the re-upload. Carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to get diana without a doubt. Mm. Um, but the, the thing is, like, just get get the left in, sort out all that shit after. Yeah. Like, unite, 
behind like if you don't like Stalin as a leader get in replace him at some point mm. like you know we've talked before about how he'd be a good foreign secretary etc yeah but this whole like they're always like oh we've got to get in a new labor mp like new labor leader every five minutes that makes us look weak and it undermines our position yeah you need something consistent and also him um ah sorry i just have to get a mosquito because they will try and kill me um <laughs> they if i've totally lost what i was going to say now starmer get them in oh fuck if you had a brain fart it distracted me because they they, they will bring me out in massive ways. it's mi5 so it's... man they're sending in mozzies to brain fart you oh yeah it's bad enough that the pigeons are remote controlled nowadays isn't it yeah. jesus um i was gonna yeah, get him... i was gonna ask you sorry. earlier so like you said uh did, did you say like he would like starmer wouldn't be your first choice or you like you don't think he's perfect or, but who who do you think is there somebody in the labor party where you're like Yes, that's my guy, or that's my woman. Like, get this person. No, in. no, because no, there isn't. Um, I think Starmer was he. He is the elected leader. Mm. You get behind him. Like, I'm, I'm thinking in very binary terms because you know we're in an emergency situation. We've got an absolute fucking nutter running the country, mm. and he's he's evidently a better choice. Far left, he is not. Is is frankly irrelevant at this point. Mm. Um, because you're not going to go from the kind of pretty, like the further left-wing policies of Corbyn. I don't like the term far left because I don't think that's what Corbyn was. He was just socialist. Mm. Uh, you're not going to go from him to um, from populism, like proper right-wing populism, to the far left overnight. You've no. got to have some middle ground and balance. And centrist isn't a dirty word. Like everyone hates the centrists, the right and the left. But it's it's... You know, the Labour have never been a centrist party. Mm. They've always been left to centre left. So it it just how people think we're going to get from the madness that we're in now mm. to suddenly being like waving the red flag. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's totally it's it's cloud cuckoo land thinking. We need pragmatism, and we need some common sense. And it just seems like some facets of the left now are believing the bullshit. They're 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 into the post-truth nonsense. They're making yeah. up shit about about you know the leader of the opposition, when in most cases that's our way out of this. It's it's like I, I refer to it as pissing on your own shoes because that's what it is. Yeah, it's just, there's no sense in it. You're right. It's sort of it's uh, two cheeks of the same arse, isn't it? On on the <laughs> right hand side of the political landscape, you've got the authoritarianism and uh and the 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 post-truth and the uh we love boris club and then on the left you have um the the sort of super support of corbyn even though now he's he's in the history books guys like we need to move on like this is uh, and it's it's this this feeling that nothing is ever far left enough and that centrist is a dirty word as you, as you touched on um and that we we need to stay true to the socialist roots and so on um yeah for me it's it's like i it's gonna sound a bit cunty saying this but i feel <laughs> like w whether you're on the far right of things and you're you're talking about yeah i'd fucking shoot a harpoon into their dinghies fuck them um or oh. if you're on the left and you're saying shit like um no like i like we should be a fully far left socialist government and everyone should get a free ipad and um uh 
I don't know, whatever the other like f- like far left socialist tropes are. Um, An uplit picture of uh, Corbyn in a gilt frame. Right. In yeah. Every, in every lounge. Everyone yeah. has to have a Che Guevara uh, tattoo <laughs> on the left beret, arm. A free beret for all. Yeah. Um, uh, I've. Am I having a brain fart now? Is it has it completely left my head? See, maybe it's maybe it's the MI five mozzies have just like landed on it's my head as well. I interrupted you, so you've said you've got the two sides of the different of the coin two, there. Yeah, and it's completely left my head. <laughs> what, what <laughs> We're both fuck? doing it. Like, bear with us, everyone, because you know Technical. he's recovering from Rona. Yeah. I'm recovering from carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, it's I've... a miracle we're alive. Yeah, at least I've remembered. Man. Right, so is it like? Is it the right? This is what's cunty. Is it is it ego in the sense that um, it's a it's a more self flattering tale to tell yourself that you are this socialist warrior that's fighting for the cause and you know what's best and everyone would be better off with a super socialist government with Corbyn mm. at the helm. That is mm. a nice tale to tell yourself because then you get to be the warrior. And on the right hand side of it, it's like you get to tell yourself that you're this like you know, Britain-loving, flag-fucking weird... Like, it's like defending the honour, you know. But it's actually... It's quite a boring tale for you and I to tell ourselves. It's like, look, I just want to sit in the centre ground and I think there's some things that we need to be a little bit... perhaps a bit more conservative about with a small C and there's some things that we need to lean a little bit left and be a bit more socially conscious about and look after um, people on a societal level on mm. on this side. Like, that, that is a boring tale to tell yourself. It's not as egoy, and so it, mm. is it that basically? Is is that what it comes down to? I don't know because I'm, I wouldn't call myself a centrist. I've always been a left winger, and and you get people on the left calling you a dirty centrist right. every time you 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 just logically support the leader of the opposition because the government are mental. Like I see, right. and and they, they use. But I I I really agree with some centrist policies. Mm. Some. But I am more left wing, but I'm not kind of, um, you know, I don't think all aspects of socialism will work whilst we've still got a kind of really um, capitalist society. I just don't think it's logical. I just don't think that's going to work. So it's about trying to. But I think you've got to gently, gently catch a monkey with left policy. Because mm. um, I was talking to John, left of the countryside, about this uh, the other day and Davey Moon, and we were saying we need to, you know, gently find a way to sell these policies to people because most people um, need and want the more kind of left-wing Labour policies. Mm. Like, people would benefit from them massively. Mm. But then there's this whole thing that's been seeded by the Tories for years, which is that um, Labour can't um, manage manage the, the finances. Mm. Uh, there's still that lie that um, Labour, and it was a lie, that Labour left everything bare. They didn't. A global financial crash ruined everything. I mean, the last, the end of the last Labour government was a shambles, don't get me wrong. And a lot of the northern communities were hugely let down by the last Labour government, like they were, mm. towards the end of it. But they'd been in power for, what, years at that point. Um, but... In many ways, the country did prosper, um, but I still don't think people should be wheeling out Blair as some kind of... I mean, I keep seeing his interviews everywhere, and it makes me want to, um, I don't know, bash my head off the wall, because 
the guy is not an authority on what's good for Labour now. Um, do you think, and I think any association with him is harmful. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's just sort of a different time? Like he, he came to the fore at a time when the country was in this position and actually right now we're facing these challenges. So he's not actually qualified or, or do you think it's like he's just kind of like he's he's flushed his credibility down the toilet with Iraq he's... and toilet he, he committed war crimes i mean the mm. guy's an arsehole for that i mean he did like his cabinet did do some good like a lot of good for the for the country prior to that but in the end he he fucked it he he fucked it he missed the penalty you know mm. um uh, but on us on a scale where like what i think about with the 90s and and labor is that um people in england slept soundly mm. during that time um Hundreds of thousands of people died in, in the Middle East. And it started this whole nightmare that's still affecting us today. It perpetuated mm. that nightmare. So it's it's hard to feel good about the good things that Labour did when in the end um, they killed loads of people unnecessarily. That's that's what I find difficult to to reconcile. But it's a totally new game now. It's a, it's a totally different world now. And um, I, I am vehemently pro-Labour. Um, because they're our biggest opposition party. And in most constituencies, they are the opposition to late to, to the Tories. Yeah. Uh, not in all, not in all, though, because no. there's obviously there's regional differences. But um, I think it is a totally different world now. But again, how we're going to battle a government that seeded, um, you know, a, a mistrust of, of sense and experts... It, it, I, I really am struggling to think about how to counteract that. Yeah, I think when when Blair came to the fore, I think two things were different. First, there was no social media, obviously, uh, which completely changed the game, as, as we know. I mean, you can pick one of a thousand documentaries out there about how Facebook ads and, and so on have, have changed the landscape of, 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 of politics. Um, but I also think what blair did have then that is the same kind of ish now that that starmer could do is try to get the sun on board and try to get the murdoch empire on board now look i'm not a fan of rupert murdoch uh by a long shot but i think in a pragmatic way and i i accept i'm going to open myself up to some level of abuse for this but i think when you've got an, a broadcast empire a media empire of that size uh, putting out messaging against you and against your interests. If you want to get in power, maybe the ugly truth is that you actually need to get them on side. And I don't know, I don't know how you do that if you're Keir Starmer um, or whoever the next, <laughs> the next leader is when they oust him. But um, I would imagine and hope that that that's probably top on their priority list. Um, Though I've never seen, I mean, look, I don't read the Sun, but I've I've not seen or heard of anything from Keir Starmer's PR office appearing in the Sun. Do you do you know, like off the top, like have you seen any, like, uh, like feature by Keir Starmer in the Sun yet, or? I would not read that paper if you paid me, but I tend to see headlines mentioned, yeah, um, on Twitter. But um, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's been a lot of kind of broad, a few of the broadsheets have, I think. Mm. Um, as have a few of the like, well, people like The Guardian. I think The Telegraph have, The Times have. 
I know the Times, I, th I think it was the Times that featured one of uh, Jess Phillips' self-congratulatory um, interviews. Mm. Um, She's another one that gets a lot of hate. Well, I, 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 I don't think that she is helpful in any respect. Really? Um, no, I don't. I don't. I think that she is um, more focused on her own achievements than, than making change. Personally, I mean, I, I really, I think she's done a lot of good for uh, speaking out about women's issues, mm -hmm. especially about male violence towards women. I think that's been a really positive aspect of Jess Phillips, but she strikes me as someone that's quite um, uh, self-obsessed, sadly. Um, really? Well, only based on what I've seen, that could be a, a, a premature judgment. So I'm, I'm not a fan of Jess Phillips. Mm. Um, but I'm a fan of a lot of the Labour MPs because they're good humans. Um, I mean, my local candidate, Tina, um, she forfeited her MP salary um, because she felt it was like too high. So she took just a standard living wage out of her salary. Mm. Um, so, you know, you don't get that on the right. I don't I don't think you get that on the right. No, as often. doesn't seem that way, does it? What you actually but then get... people don't notice. No. Um, and, and that's the thing, like it sort of brings me back to the sun and the Murdoch empire is that you can be very noble and, and surrender your salary. But what kind of what good does it do if actually the way that that gets reported is that Tina did this or Tina did that and the great heroic Tory guy did that? Do you know what I mean? Like it's all about yeah, the messaging. No. Um, mm. I don't, I don't know what you can do because essentially that guy pulls all the strings. Mm. Well, that guy in Russia, um, it seems, it seems Russia had a had a big part in our um, democracy. That um, they they influenced the elections. They influenced Brexit. Mm. Uh, apparently, allegedly, I'll say that before I get bloody Villanelle turning up at my house. Mosquito pigeon bombed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, any any in any way they can. Um, so that's yeah I, I don't know like cozying up to Murdoch I know that's something that Jess Phillips has been doing to some extent it makes sense but we need to we need to get to a point where there aren't media monopolies where people like cert, like a few people aren't running everything mm. and all the information that we receive because we all know information is power mm. um, and if they're controlling the information that people see it's it's and it affects our democracy. It's not. It's just not democratic. We don't have a democracy, do we? If that's the case, um, so it's it's terrifying. I don't know really um, if if infiltrating that's the right idea. Ideally, get rid of them. But I don't think mm. that's something that you can easily do, is it? When one man controls vast amounts of information that's going out to the public. Yeah, I. I mean, I would like to see the sun's whopping offices shut uh, for good. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure there's like, there's a place for, for fun, red top tabloid uh, journalism. If it's just, you know, arguably harmless stuff, like a little bit of celebrity gossip and, you know, showbiz interviews with whoever the big pop star is that week. And, and then a big thing about the footy for the last 10 pages. And like, I, yeah. I, I understand that there's, there's a, there's a demand for fairly, and I sound very elitist when I say this, but like fairly brainless non-journalism where you just want something to read on your lunch break, you know, like I just want to sit here. Well, make it like women's own then, you know, don't call it the bloody, don't call it a newspaper. That's the thing. Yeah. What they 
what they did to Corbyn was unforgivable. Yeah. Um, well, and, and it was Ed Miliband as well. Same treatment. Um, Ed Miliband. I mean, it is and it is so blatant. I mm. mean, they're just trying to undermine these people and and a lot of it's lies i mean and you look at people like the daily mail who run the most sensationalist headline you can imagine and then uh, that will stick in people's minds and then you'll see the tiny retraction a couple of weeks later right. at the very back and and it's not enough like they should be front page we bullshitted <laughs> that should there should be i don't know if you can about the sex asses yeah i know yeah i mean <laughs> why aren't they telling us about the sex asses this is the shit we need to know yeah I mean, those, that poor sex ass tycoon, man, stuck at Calais because, you know, Project Fear. Yeah. He was stuck there. That's why we've got all the like, lack of lorries, isn't it? Project Fear. That's why those uh, buses are on fire in Ireland. Yeah. It's why I can't Project get my sex asses. It's. Uh... I know, man. Why don't they think about people like you that, that, that are just crying that are out sad. for a sex ass? Yeah. I know. I'm sad about my absence of sex toys and. Yeah. Fucking Brexit. I know. Um, it's letting us all down. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I like if I if I look at the Tory government as is, uh, and I look at the last twelve months, right, and I think about Johnson overlooking Patel's bullying report, just ignoring it. Uh, I look at the, made it go away, didn't they? Yeah, the burner phones. This is a big thing at the moment. Fuck it out! Um, I know. You know who fucking has burner phones? Apart Criminals. From... Yeah, That's right. who has burner phones. It's like if you if your wife or your husband comes home with two phones, immediately you'd be like, either you're cheating on me or you're up to something fucking shady. What are you? Or you're, do or you're dealing some gack out to go. I mean, right? What is it? I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, I look at the you know the dodgy <laughs> deal, the dodgy PPE deals. I look at all the stuff that the Good Law Project are working on. Um, I look at uh, what what else has been in the news recently? Twenty five grand, twenty five grand of Russian money donated to Rob's office. Tip of the iceberg, eh? Right. Tip of the iceberg. And yeah. they don't want to investigate Russian interference in the Tory party. Um, and and I wonder why. Yeah, and it's it's. I I look at the 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 Tory party as is, and I think how the how did it get this fucked? Where a Western liberal democracy is in such dire straits and so frustrated um where there is no there's no obvious recourse there's no way to get it back on track there's no like i i assumed uh in my political naivety and remember i'm 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 not a politics grad i'm not a journalist um i assumed that in my armchair expertise of of this that there would be certain checks and balances right that if politicians stepped out of line um, that they would be hauled over the coals, that they would be uh, yeah. ejected from power, that um, parties would be reprimanded uh, or, or banned even, uh, or, or they would have the funding cut off. Um, I, I assumed that there was those those processes and controls in place and that if they weren't in place, that there would be, I don't know, some other kind of um, uh, repercussions for that party, like like the the media would hold them to account in the same way that the murdoch media held john major's government to account uh, yeah. and made life very difficult for them uh, i never dreamed in a million years that you would have a a populist government um who professed to being sort of libertarians and and uh, uh defenders of freedom but who would then threaten to uh, imprison journalists and and criminalize protest um and I, I read this uh, this article on I think it was on Human's Right Human Right Watch I th Humans 
human sorry i can't talk now i've had like one and a half beers i'm talking like i've had seven um (laughs) human rights watch i think uh and he this guy compared the slow um uh deletion of of rights and democracy and uh, freedoms to a frog slowly being boiled Boiling. alive in yeah yeah uh and i was like that's fucking that's the n- like nail on the head there it's like people don't fucking realize what's going on as we slide effortlessly with ba- yeah. barely any challenge at all into this kind of fascism light authoritarianism uh, and it sounds yeah, hysterical. It creeps in. Yeah, like I know how that sounds. Like those words coming out of my mouth, it sounds hysterical. And I don't, I don't want to say those things and sound. It's not hysterical. It's... We we fit all the signs of fascism. Like right. every single one. There's evidence for every single one. That's not hysterical. Like a lot of people used to think you were hysterical for, for comparing the Conservative Party to to Hitler. Mm. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> like not anymore. I mean. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. It's it's I, like I often sit there and think, how the hell have we got to this point? But it has been a slow boil. And that's a metaphor that I use a lot mm. that I've been familiar with for a few years now. And it it started with, um, you know, gradually seeding into people to not believe what they were seeing. Mm. It's the double speak. It's the it's the gaslighting. Um, and you know what 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 they're doing with the the covering up i mean the covering up of of really important investigations they've been doing it for years mm. i mean look at theresa may with the uh sex um uh the child abuse scandal um papers they were just suddenly lost nothing's really entirely lost unless you um set on fire your hard drive and dump it in a quarry so that's bullshit <laughs> um, but i fear i fear what they're gonna not that i've had to do that that sounded way, so specific I'm, though it's like i'm not prince andrew like <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what i'm thinking is like they're gonna do this uh the, the cover-ups i mean using fucking whatsapp for uh political business in itself is unbelievable it's encrypted so mm. they're trying to hide it they're they're, they're trying to hide um any scrutiny they're um protecting us against any transparent investigation of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they'll do the same with the COVID inquiry. There's no um, uh, what's the coincidence that they're trying to cover up, that they're trying to like delay the COVID inquiry. Mm. Because what they'll do is they'll drag it out like they did with the Grenfell inquiry, which mm. is still going on, to the point where it's no longer daily news. And it's just something that people just think, oh, is that still happening? Mm. Horrific tragedy, horrific tragedy entirely preventable um and they'll blame us the public the nhs the carers just like they blame the firefighters for grenfell Mm. it is disgusting um you know the firefighters didn't make those buildings combustible they didn't fail to replace the sprinklers same applies to covid um so they're just covering their tracks um and because they're rich white men they're going to get away with it and not be seen as criminals when as i said they're no better than a petty drug dealer Mm. at this point um trying to siphon off money um in a shady way and and they wouldn't have these burner phones they wouldn't be doing it by an encrypted method instead of through their official emails Mm. if they had nothing to hide it's a monumental scandal and it's one of hundreds that the toys have played out this year alone yeah um so how do you overcome that i mean will uh morality overcome that possibly not um i don't know what here's, the answer is to it, Aid. it's it's a mess here's my pathway 
to to a better world, right? It's Starmer goes for dinner with Rupert Murdoch. The two of them hit it off. They talk about whatever the fuck they've got in common, which is nothing, but they, <laughs> I don't know. They talk about something. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, they, don't they, I think Starmer likes football. Is he an Arsenal fan? But he's definitely a footy fan. Maybe, maybe there's something there that they can talk about. Oh, do you like football? Yeah, yeah, I love football. Ah, oh, there we go. Best friends, right? So they... what with Murdoch? Are you talking? Are you joking? He's like Mr. Burns. Well, I don't know. Like he's he did, like Murdoch lived in the UK for a while, right? Quite a while. So I'm thinking he he's probably into football culture. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, look, he wins over Murdoch, then he wins the next election. And then it's the end of post-truth and there is some accountability because it's a Labour-led right. inquiry or something along those lines. That's my right. that's my hope, but I appreciate I am living in fucking unicorn rainbow land. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting theory. I mean, I've got a theory on it, but I don't know if it's a bit too outlandish, really. Go on. What I think is... The you know you know how it's become like X Factory with all the politicians like yeah. pick a populist oh he got stuck on a zip wire he's so funny oh but you know he killed my nan but he's brilliant let's have a drink with him yeah I think we should set up a a Love Island all oh, right type show yeah. with um uh, a Labour leader uh, a Tory leader or or, or associate and, and associated MPs from like the front bench okay. Mm. And they've got to graph their constituents. <laughs> wow. And and the ones that don't have game, they just get ejected off, right? But then you've got people in there that are claiming to be left wing when they're right wing. And the yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's legs. Um I like it. In in my in my head. Uh, I had that thought when I was all gassed up. Mm. I was thinking, you know, on the, all the old carbo mono, I was like what if we did an ex? Obviously, that's not a real solution. Um, but we're not far off from that. I mean, it's it's largely personality led at this stage, isn't well, it? Well, of course it is. I mean, it, this, this, it's kind of like that just shows the, the the point that we're at. Like where, but you can't put Johnson on Love Island. You just try to fuck everything, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you it, like, obviously, it wouldn't be called Love Island, and politicians are. Uh, significantly less attractive than the contestants on love island but i still have no doubt that yeah after a couple of weeks but it's not going to be like necessarily they're trying to shag them it'd be like a kind of like trying to kind of an ideological love island um i, I don't even know what you could call it um i i don't know either but i hope i don't think it's a good idea personally i think that's something that's like a 3 a.m um valiumed up carbon monoxide <laughs> but i was just thinking that but it, it raises the point though about how that's that's what it's that's what it's become it's become oh are we such a laugh and he and and they don't see the reality of it or they're not immersed enough in politics so they go based on yeah shoes or a suit or whether or not someone can eat a fucking bacon sandwich you know that's yeah that's the, but this is that's what it's come down this to. is the whole thing with like con men right is you you yeah how many fucking times did little old ladies let good-looking young men into their house because mm. he seemed so nice and he knew what he was talking about with the like double glazing and everything and um you know i just i thought like i made him a cup of tea and he was anyway then it looks like he's changed the zero on my thing and now i've, I've like he's charged me a hundred thousand pounds like <laughs> and you like it's it's this 
this thing about like oh well boris johnson seems like a sort of you know fun good what what's the phrase like good time jack or whatever it is like he seems like somebody you yeah. would want and i know we said this before on the last episode and you you said fucking no way but i said like he seems like somebody that you could have a beer with and and a bit of a joke right and you said no fucking way would i have a beer with him but I think he survives the beer test, which is my personal qualifier for who I think. Not right. not who I love, but who I think will win the next election, right? Yeah. And Corbyn did not survive the beer test at all. Johnson does because he's sort of, you know, upbeat and and jokey and uh uh what's the word? Bon bonhomie? Bon bonhomie? Uh, bonhomie. Bonhomie, like he's got yeah, right? yeah, he's got that, yeah. so there's there's and and you know we can talk shit about him all day but the guy does have uh political charisma and wit but that's not the real johnson though no that's, right that's, so that's, yeah. here's here's my next point is that this is the whole thing with fucking psychopaths is that they're yeah. the life and soul of the party and this is exactly the sort of person that you do not want running the country you actually want somebody kind of boring and a little bit um you know not life and like somebody who's thinking about things logically and who's looking at problems yes. in a in a, a problem solving way not in a kind of poll-led populist fashion mm. uh you need a john major you need a it like it, for, for all his mistakes you kind of need a gordon brown um gordon brown was actually all right you know and even john major's looking better nowadays yeah. i mean I mean, even if you dug up fucking Thatcher and reanimated her, I think she'd be better than what they're doing at the moment. I mean, that you've even you've even got you've even got Tories right now that are disgusted, especially with the foreign aid thing. And when even like Tories, even the Tories that they've not ousted are going, yeah, fuck, this is bad. Like you're you're going to literally kill millions of people. But the, the, um, the problem is that, and, and this is what winds me up, and I suspect that this is a, a sensibility that is shared on mass across the left and probably some of the right, is that you will get people on the right. You will get card-carrying Tories who will say, I'm not down with this, like, threatening to imprison journalists, and I'm I, I'm sorry, I'm a libertarian at heart, and I am not okay yeah. with criminalising protest, etc., etc. Well, this is where I draw the line. I'm not okay with this. And then they stand up there in the House of Commons and go, well, with reluctance, I will support yeah. the government. Like, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Where are your principles? Like, if Yeah, this they is... tow the line. Yeah. They do. Because they've got a fat salary, and they've got, like, loads of benefits to, to being it. I mean, they are the biggest benefit scroungers in, in the country are, are many of the politicians. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's the same, the, the thing about like what you were talking about, about Brexit is because the Brexiters hate Brexit. Mm. And I think it's because none of them actually agreed or knew what it entailed. No. So everyone's got this vision in their head of their own tailored version of what it is. Mm. And, very little of what it was about was about leaving the EU anyway. Mm. So I think the fact that no matter what Johnson did, he was never going to please many, many Brexiters. No. He was never going to please them. So in a way, I've kind of at times chuckled because he's walked into a totally lost battle, whatever he does. Mm. And have you seen a lot of people talking about how this isn't my Brexit, he's a charlatan. I'm sitting there thinking... Well, what is your Brexit, mate? Like, when you ask people why they voted Leave, they can very rarely tell you. Mm. 
coherently why. So he was always going to lose with what he did with Brexit. But do you think that that would be enough for him to, uh, or for the Tories to lose an election based on what they've done? Because I think we're literally weeks away now from our supply chain being fucked beyond repair for a while. Yeah, uh, it depends how it's reported in in the STEM papers. I know I sort of keep going back yeah. to media, but I, no, I, you're I right. it, it, you're it is right. all about messaging and it's how that information finds its way into your uncle or your dad's head. Um, and I I have this <laughs> great fear that, I mean, if, if I look at the information that I have today to hand to inform my projection and my prediction for how things are going to turn out in you know 12 weeks time or six months time everything tells me that it will be distorted and contorted and marketed and tabled back to your uncle or dad in a way that makes it look like it's the eu's fault or it's covid's fault and it's they're already doing that carol malone right idiot. yeah yeah so it's it's like if i look at the express over the last couple of weeks um there was a thing about the uh, freedom of movement. Like they, they suddenly said that they were shocked that the EU were asking for visas, which cost money for us to go back onto the continent, right? This was apparently a huge shock to everyone, at Carol Malone included, um, that, that you might have to pay for a visa like you would do to, to, to fucking America or anywhere that you don't have freedom of movement sorted out. So... Um, and the, the way that the Express uh, marketed this and, and pushed it back on their readership was that it was it was an EU punishment back on Britain uh, for Brexit. It was the EU being vindictive and mean. Oh, yeah. And it's like the, the, the thing that that astounds me with this is these are fucking journalists like these are <laughs> these are people who take this fact and that fact and then this person's opinion and that person and they they amalgamate it all and then they're supposed to come to a conclusion that is at that time thought to be the truth and yet yeah. this fucking economist or this fucking like political journalist have got together yeah. and taken all those facts and figures together and opinions and whatever and then completely gone uh, it's probably against the editorial line. Maybe, maybe we'll just say this subtle thing. Like, it's such horseshit, and it's so amazing and astounding to me that they can put in those thousand words to the editor, and the editor yeah. doesn't immediately go, "You're fucking fired. What are you doing? Like, you're a journalist. You're supposed to tell the truth. You're supposed exactly. to get to the facts." Um, so I think if that exactly. if that is some sort of indication as to where we're headed, I imagine that. Uh, they will blame it on the French uh, frustrating the border, or of course they will, or, yeah. or they will say that it's COVID that the, there's a Delta variant or Delta Plus variant that's making it harder to to come in. I bet my faith for the British media and the British electorate at this stage is through the fucking floor. <laughs> same, same. But you know, but the thing is though, you've got the the editor or the the, the person putting this out is probably mates with um a tory i mean that's that's i mean look at the old um emily mateless mm. thing when she did that thing on newsnight which I, i've said gave me a bit of hope because i was in the depths of a lockdown alone in winter mm. and it, it made me weep watching her say what i knew to be true mm. and all it took was a call from number 10 she's punished she's um her her, her point is is retracted mm. 
she's in trouble mm. for saying something that's true because it's seen as going against the government. This is even before they've brought in mm. some kind of law to to make it. What they're trying to do is frighten and inhibit the truth, like frighten journalists, inhibit the truth. Um, and get them to a point where they're second guessing what, whether or not they say anything. When already there is a massive um, monopoly mm. in terms of the right wing coming out smelling of roses in virtually every article that's written um, in in most right wing media. But then you know that's predominantly read by Tory voters, isn't it? I guess. Mm. Um, but the, the, this is the sort of point I keep coming back to on this uh, on this podcast is that it is not enough. Like it's easy to dismiss the uh, the dominance of right wing newspapers on the basis that well yeah only Tories buy the Sun only to- only Tories buy uh, the Mail so who are you really you know who like what's the damage really if they put out some nonsense about Starmer or, or whoever um, but it is it is the tone that is set at the beginning of the day when the Sun the Telegraph the Express and the Mail all go in on Labour or attack yeah. or, or glorify the Tories or, or whatever, um, that then on Sky News and BBC News and uh, GB News, uh, I assume. GBs. Yeah. Um, that they, all of these channels, all of these news channels start off their day with a what the papers say section. Absolutely. And because so Absolutely. much of the right wing, because so much, so much of the newspaper press, newspaper press, uh, because so much of the press, I press. really can't talk um is is right wing um that yeah. sets the tone that sets the agenda all of these news shows start doing little um pieces and vox pops based on the headlines of that Absolutely. day they'll say you know the sun have done a thing and they've done a poll that says this what do you think about it and then that becomes the fucking narrative for the rest of the day You're right um, you're absolutely right so it is it is too simplistic and dismissive to say um Oh well, you know, yeah, some of the newspapers are right wing, but you know, Sky News and BBC, oh bloody left, you know, it's it, it is not enough. The the TV takes the lead from the newspapers, and that is what informs. Correct, people. and then that that also forms the subject for if there's any kind of political, um, of a TV program like Newsnight or etc. Right. Uh, yeah, like or question times like that, that will be centered around that. So it's yeah, it's a you're right. Mm. It's a circular thing and it's terrifying. Um, but then again, not all uh, hashtag not all uh, Tories uh, read. Uh, it's not just those people that read the, the, the times. I mean, my nan, bless her, she was taken in by um, brexit which broke my heart but at the same time she wasn't she was never she'd never have considered herself right wing no um and again i've got family members that voted for to leave that would never have voted tory if you cut their hands off you know Mm. you'd have to cut their hands off before they'd vote tory so it's um it's it's difficult to draw kind of um to to generalize on that front i think um yeah you're right it's um but there's no doubt what you're saying is true. It, it's a it's a it's a circular thing. Um, they all influence each other. Mm. And um, where did your yeah, where, I, where, did you say your grandmother or, or your mother? My grandmother. Um, she she voted um, to leave, did... and it was a really heartbreaking moment because she is so clever. But she was a religious mail reader. Oh. Um, she, you know. Um, so that was a, a really tricky thing for me to come to terms with but she was like she was 
like ridiculously clever mm. like I, I but I think I mean Farage has a lot to answer for like I I can't I find it very difficult to to talk about Farage without uh swearing um here's here's a here's a weird question for you right and th- creatively this might have to be our closer because uh we've been talking oh, for a Christ. while now um but do you think people like farage and let's say mark francois and not boris johnson because this is too easy a, a question if we're talking about him yeah like farage mark francois ids all of these sort of on like comfortably on the right brexiteers right do you think that they truly believe that brexit is a great thing or do you think it's something colder and more cynical and it just serves their purpose politically and media wise at the moment where do you think they sit i think it's a latter and i think that they're probably themselves being influenced by people bigger than themselves Mm. Uh, not in a conspiracy theory way but in a disaster capitalist um way and also there's a lot of ego i think uh farage uh, farage as uh, o'brien calls him is <laughs> he's trying to do it he's he's i think he's just another person that's obsessed with being uh relevant um financially gaining because obviously he was a shit mep mm. um and he um still you know, tried to push to leave whilst taking, he was on the gravy train taking in all the money. I think it's a lot to do with ego and financial benefit. Who or how, Mm. I don't think matters to people like them. He's just another, like, like Lawrence fucking Fox, you know, they're people that are generally unsuccessful um, in, in all other aspects besides inciting um, idiots to support them mm. um, and there's no real community behind the people that support those people either um, not like there is on the left which I think is our, our kind of winning uh, it, it's something that wins up that gives us a benefit I think is the fact that there's a lot of community on the left there's a lot of kind of common causes mm. it's just a vacuous emptiness in those people and I think it is very much led by financial gain at any cost really I don't think it's if it wasn't Brexit it would have been something else mm. um, but I think Brexit was a good front for their xenophobia and for their um, wanting to kind of incite something I mean look at the way he's, he's, he's got in bed with Trump yeah. um, to the point where he's now a person of interest in uh, Trump's uh, in legal action against Trump, yeah, um, I think so. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, in a long-winded response to your question, I'd, I don't think it was. I, I think there was more to it than just uh, Brexit, and I don't think even they knew what Brexit would entail. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're probably broadly right. Um, I think the only add-on to that I would contribute is uh, I think. For them, it, it's become in the same way that, I don't know, like for your uncle or, you, you know, your brother or whoever that gets it mad into Brexit or mad into anti-vax theories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for them, it becomes a purpose. I think in the absence of purpose and direction in your life, and I don't mean that to sound sort of patronising, but I really think there's, there's an element of that to it where like, you know what, if you're a failed actor or if you're a failed MEP or if you're a failed 
mechanic mm. or, or fucking call center worker or whatever. And then you get involved in some internet forum or group or Facebook thing and 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 you feel like you're contributing to something. You feel listened to. And yeah. suddenly there's 150 people retweeting you and saying like, um, oh, listen to this guy. He's He fucking gets it. Like, I think there's a purpose there. Uh, for the everyday Joe, if it's, you know, like I say, like your uncle or your brother. But I think when it's somebody like Farage or uh, Lawrence Fox or or uh, Francois, I think for them, these are low caliber individuals in their respective industries. Uh, and I think somebody like Lawrence Fox would have just, you know, teetered on the periphery of, of you know, bit parts and supporting roles and, and stuff. And I think Farage would have been a substandard MP if he, you know, but Carl Sales, yeah, yeah, but something like this, some sort of purpose or goal or narrative or slogan allows them to, to put themselves above that and appear to be some kind of oppressed, uh, attacked Messiah kind of figure. Yeah. And it's, it becomes this like, self-elect yeah it's like like i'm going up against the elite or you know i used to be liberal but you you guys don't understand like it's just and it's always the same and i see it across actually across the political like even with people like um alex salmond i feel like he's veered into that territory (laughs) and the corbynistas it's the same like it's the same sort of gene that's there it's like this that nothing is is pure enough well, i'm going up against the stamp i'm going up against the, this part of the labor party or i'm going do you know what i mean like it's but it's never a worthy cause like but there's never a revolution for fucking sense or truth it's always like a bunch of like as i've said before it's a bunch of like middle-aged people trying to create some kind of like really shit mad max except it just robs us all of like um our freedoms um, well, at us of our freedoms, they'll still have them because they're rich. Yeah. But it's 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 there's never a revolution against a really corrupt government. It's always against something that's really bloody pointless. Yeah. And and you're right. It's like Stanhope said, isn't it? Like Doug Stanhope, mm. people want to feel a part of something, and so they pick a side. Yeah. And the side they pick depends on, um, largely, it seems nowadays, their prejudices mm. as opposed to something moral. And and something worth fighting for, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. Or a proper like a proper riot, like, but <laughs> in order to kind of create a better future for people, not not to yeah uh, increase xenophobia and racism in the country and and divide people. But it's like that sort of that that idea. I, I think this was written in the European press somewhere and then reported back in. Um in the uk but it was somebody somewhere that i'm butchering the quote for i'm sure uh was saying like that that people in britain now seem to subscribe to this idea that things couldn't possibly ever be better like this is as good as it gets but um but things could be so much worse. like they they we we as a nation we believe that everything could get really bad if a load of turks join the eu and come over or or you know if a few more people come over in diggies or you know we 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 fear above all else that everything is about to change that we're going to lose britain um but we couldn't possibly ever imagine that the 40 billion that was spaffed away on test and trace could have been used to improve this service or that hospital or that school like we never ever believed that 
for us it's just well, no. completely different currency well no i mean that money could have gone on feeding all the kids that johnson's tried to starve it could go on improving the hospitals that they're selling off it could mm. go on <laughs> i don't pick, know right? um, proper support for for women of color that suffer domestic violence you know yeah um it could go on all these things but it doesn't it just goes into the pockets of their friends yeah and it's all hidden on burner phones it's all hidden in personal email accounts yeah and it's bullshit and people need to stand up to it yeah. big time um but they don't they just i have i have no hope that they're gonna no it doesn't seem like there's much appetite to riot at the moment does there um i'd love love a riot though bloody hell. I'd, you know I'd, i feel like i've got it in me i've got a megaphone you know i feel i've got some i've still got some dms i think i should uh yeah i'll be up for it you know i'm the least should likely. i be saying that like no. should I... socioeconomically speaking i'm the least likely guy to riot because i've got you know i've got two kids i've got a mortgage i've got a job i love um <laughs> You know, I'm. I don't need to. Like, you would think there would be a part of like number ten strategy in comms and everything that would advise and say, if you get more people into jobs, get them comfortable, get them into mortgages and so on, they're less likely to cause you problems, right? Yeah. But they don't yeah. seem. There doesn't seem to be any appetite to do that because the housing crisis, right? <laughs> like, it's fairly fairly evidential that we don't. We're not trying to fix that problem, yeah. but. Anyway, that's that's a topic for a whole other podcast. So um, I'm going to have to uh, love you and leave you there, Tan. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been uh, it's been a lot of fun. I could have carried on talking for another couple of hours. I'll be honest. Um, we probably shouldn't. It'll just get more depressing, won't right? It? Yeah, like the last hour of a five-hour <laughs> podcast with you and me would just both be the, the pair of us opening another another drink, just going like we'll be on the heroin. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if you've uh, if you've listened or watched this episode, um, please do like, subscribe, all that usual um, stuff that people say at the end of episodes of podcasts. Uh, the episodes are filmed on a Friday or Saturday night, but then put out on Spotify and iTunes uh, the next day. And uh, yeah, once again, thank you very much for my guest this week, Super Tansky. Nice sign off there. <laughs> all right, thanks very much, guys. Cheerio, bye. Right, I've stopped streaming. Oh, is it done? Is that, I thought it was already done. <laughs>